We are now over a year into this pandemic. We have heard and read so much about how to protect ourselves and others from the virus, wear masks, social distance, and so on. But there is an epidemic that you likely haven't heard or even read much about. I'm talking about child abuse. If you're confused, that's okay. Just keep listening. My investment in raising awareness of child abuse began long before the pandemic. A few years ago, my family began fostering the most darling, 14-month-old baby girl. She didn't have a story that was so crazy that it made it into our local newspaper. Charges were never even pressed against her biological parents for the abuse she endured. Watching a baby deal with the consequences of abuse and work through her trauma changed me. That little girl plays soccer with your kids. She's in their classroom and she rides her bike past your house. Would you have been able to identify the signs of her trauma? I'm guessing the answer is likely no. She was lucky that she was removed and now has been adopted into a loving home. Not every kid gets this, but every kid deserves that. The first step to helping these kids is raising awareness. So I'm going to introduce you to a problem that has been magnetized by the ongoing pandemic. Child abuse was already a severe issue that was not being properly addressed, but it has gotten so much worse. Welcome to The Secret Epidemic, a series where we are going to break the silence on child abuse. Today, we'll cover the increase in abuse due to the pandemic. I'm your host, Andrea Gomez. Let's get started. The COVID-19 pandemic has created a stressful environment. Families are experiencing financial problems, job loss. They're navigating distance learning, maybe some familial changes, and there are serious health concerns. Stress and stressors like these lead to an increase in abuse. According to the CDC, public health emergencies increase the risk for child abuse and neglect because of increased stressors and loss of financial and social supports. The problems associated with the pandemic increase the likelihood of abuse. In a study conducted by Dr. Monica Lawson, a professor of psychology at the University of Texas at San Antonio. The most significant predictor of abuse was found to be job loss. Parents who lost their jobs were 28% more likely to psychologically abuse their children and 22% more likely to physically abuse their children during the pandemic. Of those surveyed, 13% of the parents experienced losing their jobs, which is pretty consistent with the fluctuating high unemployment rates and unemployment insurance claims that we're seeing. Let's hear from Dr. Morgan Shaw. She is a licensed clinical and forensic psychologist at the Institute on Violence, Abuse, and Trauma in San Diego. You know, I think it's kind of a multi-layered issue uh, of you know, the the stress and the fear associated with the pandemic bringing up, I think, increased likelihood of violence and abusive behavior. On top of that, coupled with, you know, what we likely saw as being a very high chance of increased substance use, um, 
and then lack of access to appropriate resources and support systems as a result of the pandemic. I mean, I think we all saw that, unfortunately, a little bit as a perfect storm of things that would contribute to an increase in family violence more generally. Let's unpack that a little bit. Not only have we failed to prevent stressors that lead to child abuse and stressors that lead to substance abuse, which leads to an increased likelihood of child abuse, but we have failed to use services to promote family welfare. So we didn't prevent the problem and we're not properly addressing it. A lot of the services that families need at this time are not available. The longer this continues, the worse it can get. We know that the problems caused by the pandemic statistically lead to a rise in abuse, yet there are less reports, less intervention, and less opportunities to spot abuse. My sister has spent years trying to heal from the trauma she endured during the first 14 months of her life. Intervening means saving a child from the long-lasting effects of abuse It could mean saving their life. As the coronavirus pandemic reached America and closures began, experts in the child welfare arena collectively shuddered in fear. Immediately, isolation was a concern. Let's hear from Dr. Morgan Shaw again. Well, so it's an interesting thing to look at because while I think we can all agree that there's an increase in abuse, there's not necessarily an increase in abuse reports, and there's sure as heck not an increase in removal from homes. Uh, And so we're seeing a decrease in those areas, even though we know that there is an increase in violence taking place in the home. So again, I mean, I think that's sort of a complex issue of why that's happening, you know. One clear reason is because the teachers and the other kind of youth-serving professionals are not having direct access to them like they normally would, and that's where the majority of the reports come from. The first part we're going to look at is Dr. Shaw's claim that while we can agree there's an increase in abuse, there's not necessarily an increase in abuse reports. Riverside County data supports this claim. Riverside County Department of Public Social Services reports that there was a 49.7% decrease in referrals during April 2020 compared to April 2019. And there was a 45.7% decrease during the month of May 2020 compared to the month May 2019. Under normal conditions, report numbers seem to be half of what they should be, or regularly are. Because we're in a pandemic, a time with more abuse, we should be seeing even more reports, which is very troubling. The National Children's Alliance is an organization of 900 children's advocacy centers. They reported that in 2020, their children's advocacy centers helped 32,000 fewer children than they did the year prior. Social indicators point towards an increase in abuse. More children are being abused and less are receiving aid, 
without intervention, children may become traumatized by the abuse and trauma is not something that is easily overcome. We can also look at the Children's Bureau of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services data that shows mandated reporters make up 68.6% of child abuse and neglect reports. Mandated reporters are professionals who are required by law to report abuse. Dr. Shaw attributes the decrease in reporting largely to the fact that teachers and other youth-serving professionals are not having direct access to the kids as they normally would be. So we see that 68.6% of all child abuse and neglect reports come from mandated reporters who don't have the same access to children anymore. We can see how that can be a problem. If we look at education personnel, alone, they make up 21% of reports. That's one in five reports coming from schools. And we're in a time right now where schools are not seeing children the same way that they used to. It's so difficult to detect abuse through a screen, especially when children either aren't showing up for class or are showing up for class, but have their monitors off or their cameras off. It does not give the teachers the same exposure to children so that they can successfully detect abuse. Along with isolation, we can look at a statistic from the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, also known as RAIN. They reported in April 2020 that it was the first time minors ever made up more than half of the reports to the sexual assault hotline. They also reported that of those minors, 68% expressed concern over being in a confined space with their abuser. This is the other layer of isolation, where children are in isolation with their abuser and it makes it difficult for children to disclose abuse because there is this chance that their abuser could overhear. As a sibling to a child that endured abuse, I'm so terrified to imagine what the ramifications are of the rise of abuse and decline in aid to those children. I saw my sister pick off the skin on her fingers and chew on her lips until she bled when her anxiety overwhelmed her. I remember the way she'd rip off chunks of her hair because the sun triggered her and reminded her of the moments she spent living in a car with the sun beating down on her. And I still recall the screams when she couldn't contain all the emotions in her little body. Those screams were unlike anything I'd ever heard before. The pandemic has created a stressful environment hospitable to abuse. Isolation has kept children confined and away from mandated reporters. Distance learning has made it difficult for teachers to identify abuse. Basically, the pandemic has added and or worsened stress factors that caused child abuse, and the isolation has disrupted the avenues meant to protect children. Speaking up and staying vigilant during this time could save a child. Research ways to promote healthy parenting in your home. Educate yourself on the signs of abuse and trauma. Raise awareness by telling everyone you know. 
and accept that it happens in your families and in your neighborhoods. This has been The Secret Epidemic. I'm your host, Andrea Gomez. Thank you for joining me. Thank you.